The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben Garrett and David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Geared at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. How can an already good Ole Miss baseball offense get better? Mike Clement's the man to ask, and he'll come up in just a little bit. But first, David Johnson, hey, man. What's going on, Ben? How are you? I am good. How are you doing this morning? Eh, eh, I'm okay. Mike Clement was good, so that's all that matters because this podcast is what matters most, right? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And uh, Chuck and I had Carl Lafferty on the uh, Rebel Yell Hotline Monday night. And, uh, man, Mm -hmm. just got to be excited about baseball season Mm -hmm. right around the corner. And uh, you're right, man. That lineup looks tough. Um, You know, the question is, you know, will will the pitching rotation be what, what everyone's hoping it's going to be? February 15th versus Wright State. That's the first pitch for Ole Miss baseball this season. Will Etheridge will lead the way. He's the Friday night starter. Houston Roth is probably going to go on Saturday. And if I had to handicap it right now, Gunnar Hogland's going to pitch on Sunday. That lineup, 7 of 9 return, but they have other guys that are emerging, such as Anthony Servideo, Tim Elko, Carl Gindle. There's a lot of potential as far as more offensive pieces for an already good offensive lineup. And Mike Clement's going to cover every single angle of that. First and foremost, though, David, I hate to even ask, but we have to. Next Wednesday, signing day. Yeah. And over the weekend, their, quote, most important, biggest recruiting weekend, and yet crickets. Oh, 
I wouldn't necessarily say crickets. You can't expect these guys this close. If they've held out all the way to the February National Signing Day, uh, they're not going to make a knee-jerk on-campus decision. I think they they did some good work over the weekend with some key targets. you know, here we are, we're, we're eight days away from National Signing Day. Still hard to predict how everything's going to come out. But, you know, your primary targets have emerged on what's left in this class. Uh, you know, you have your Jerrion Ely's, your Lakaya Henry's. John Rice Plumley, uh, Jonathan Mingo, even, you know, who remains committed to Ole Miss, but obviously he's been kicking the tires on other programs this month. Uh, Ladarius Cox was on campus over the weekend. Uh, he's, he's a big time defensive tackle target. I think they made some ground up with him. According to sources, Cox declined to give any interviews before he left. Amante Spivey, who's committed to Arkansas right now. He's a running back out of the state of Alabama. He's another guy, uh, that uh, was on campus this past weekend. Now, as far as how this coming weekend shapes up, I really don't know right now. Uh, Adonis Ote, who defensive back current Arkansas, took a weekend visit to USC over the weekend. And there are a lot of people feeling like USC may have the upper hand on flipping him from Arkansas. And there's some doubt right now as to whether Ote will actually visit Ole Miss this coming weekend. But it's not going to be a lot of them out there. I was told on Sunday – one, possibly two, maybe three official visitors. Ole Miss will be wrapping in a junior day this weekend uh, where they'll have 15 to 20 top 2020 guys on campus as well. But uh, not going to be a lot of official visit action this coming weekend. Um, And, you know, this week is all about the coaching staff going in for that final face-to-face pitch that they're going to deliver to these prospects uh, before the dead period starts uh, on Sunday. The podcast brought to you by El Agave Mexican Grill. School started back, and everybody has to deal with it in their own way. Well, might I suggest the best Tex-Mex in town for some comfort food? Whether you're a parent or student, if you live in Oxford or New Albany, your stop is El Agave Mexican Grill for the best food, drinks, and atmosphere. At El Agave, there's top-shelf Mexican food and a cantina at both locations, and with a warm and inviting atmosphere, you and your family can make yourself at home. It's the best Mexican around that starts with high-quality ingredients and careful preparation. The kitchen gets busy early every morning because El Agave starts from scratch every day, making fresh salsa, boiling chilies for their homemade red and green chili dishes, slow cooking their lean cuts of beef and pork, and then pouring the broth off into their homemade sauces. There's nothing like having a full house of folks over for a great Mexican fiesta. So come on over to El Agave in Oxford and or New Albany, 2305 West Jackson Avenue in Oxford, 650 Park Plaza in New Albany. You won't find better Mexican food or margaritas anywhere else. Try the street tacos. Stay for the food and the experience. El Agave Mexican Grill. The podcast also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there, like recently. You're just looking to get the best deal anyway, right? If that's the case, and to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell. And what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, so they'll probably want to talk some Ole Miss basketball, baseball, spring football practices. But more importantly, they want to make the process as seamless as possible and make sure you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. If I gave you Spivey, 
John Reese Plumley, Lakia Henry, and you hold on to Jonathan Mingo. Is that enough to claim success? Yeah. Yeah, at this stage it is. I think, you know, if you can pull in Lakaya Henry, who is the number one inside linebacker prospect in the country. And I, t- I talked a little bit about this on the Rebel Yell Hotline Monday night, but with Henry, you know, everybody had the sore butt when the Kobe Dean ended up going to Georgia back in the December early signing As period. As they should have. And they should have. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. you got a five-star linebacker an hour away from campus, and, and you don't get him. That always stings a little bit. But this defense, as everyone knows, needs immediate help, Ben. And I, I'm not so sure Nakobe Dean could give them as much immediate help as a guy like Lakaya Henry could. Of course, he's a couple of years older. He's a, he's a couple of years more physically mature. Um and it's down to Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Texas for Lakaya Henry. Now, if I were a betting man right now, I've, I, if I had to put a wager down, I think Ole Miss is going to get Lakaya Henry. Um, now, there's a lot of water to pass under the bridge, though. Now, when he left campus on Sunday, he told me, he said, Ole Miss and Arkansas are tied. Now, we're doing this recording on Tuesday. Chad Morris and his Arkansas staff are going to be in Dodge City, Kansas today. They probably are as we speak, trying to uh, mitigate some of the uh, some of the gains Ole Miss may have gotten with Lakaya Henry on his official visit over the weekend. Now, the entire Ole Miss defensive staff is going to be in Dodge City tomorrow. Mike McIntyre, everybody on the defensive side of the ball is going to be there. Matt Luke's already done his in-home. Uh, he, he went to Georgia to see Lakaya Henry's mother last week, then went out to Dodge City, did it all in the very same day, uh, which impressed Lakaya Henry. That Ole Miss thought enough of him to go to Georgia and Kansas on the same day to recruit him. Uh, but the caveat to everything, though, when he said Ole Miss and Arkansas – were tied at the top, so to speak, is that he has not taken his visit to Texas. And he is going to take that official visit to Texas this weekend. And you can bet Tom Herman and the Longhorn staff, they're going to do everything they can to, to try to get him to come to Austin. But I think Ole Miss may have an inside track with him because he has expressed to me that his mother would like to see him as close to Vidalia, Georgia as possible. And that destination is Oxford, Mississippi by a whole lot. Uh, when you're looking at Fayetteville, Arkansas and Austin, Texas being the other options. I talked to, uh, to his mom Sunday morning before uh, she departed to drive back to Georgia. And, uh, you know, I, I can tell you this much. She does like Oxford, Mississippi. Lakaya will tell you she loves Oxford, and they visited here before, so they were somewhat familiar with this place. Um, but but right now, I feel good about their chances. Now, that could change because, like I said, there are, there's a whole lot of stuff happening right now with his recruitment. Uh, but, but right now, I think Ole Miss is in a pretty good position. He knows if he comes to Ole Miss, that gives him the best opportunity to get on the field. Mike McIntyre sat down with him on on Saturday and said, look, this is where you're going to be, right next to Momo Sanago. And, and he knows Momo. They've developed a relationship. Momo was his player host over the weekend, but they already knew each other going into the weekend. And uh, I just think the tea leaves right now read pretty good for Ole Miss and Lakaya Henry. And I would venture to argue that he may be the most important guy left out there, Ben. And I think not, so. Yeah. And, and that's not that's not saying Jerry on Ely and and Jonathan Mingo and, and the entire cast are not very important. They all are. 
But I think Lakia Henry could bring you some some real quick help to the defensive side of the football. My whole counter to needing immediate impact, and it's true, you just get both. You'd rather just have both. That's the point of recruiting. You never want to rely on just one guy. And that's why, yeah, you get him. That's great. Still doesn't change the fact you didn't get Nicobe Dean and you needed him. And because we, we talked enough about the Mississippi made stuff, but get both. That, that's how about getting both? That's what you want to do. Yeah, it's hard to, to know what position you would be in with Lakia Henry right now if Nicobe Dean had chosen Ole Miss because, you know, he's a Juco guy. He's looking at playing time. Those guys are doing their homework about who's in this class. And I think Henry sees a, a quick pathway to the field at Ole Miss uh, that he might not have seen had Nicobe Dean been in this class. Oh, well. I don't really like that though. Don't you want a guy to want to compete? Want the best players around you? Just yeah, yeah. You want the you want the yeah. roster uh, roster full of five stars. But yeah. but you know it doesn't change the fact these JUCO guys are wise to the game. They understand totally what it's about. You're not going to get a JUCO guy with rah rah come fight for us. Um, you know wear the school colors. You know be a hero here. Most of these JUCO guys that are being recruited by Power Five schools, and I know you know this. They've got they've already got one eye on the NFL, and they need to go to a place that that they can be on the field and excel uh, in a very, very quick fashion. They're not developmental guys. You don't recruit JUCO guys to redshirt them or, 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 or set them around on the bench. Uh, these guys are, are supposed to be able to come in and make an impact, and that's what they're thinking too. That's fair. When's the last time Ole Miss, or that you can remember, that Ole Miss was able to land a JUCO that was good from day one? Was it Especially linebacker, I think it was Roy, Roy Johnson. Maybe was that the most impact Ooh. linebacker? I mean, when was the last time Ole Miss had a guy from JUCO that was good day one? It took Scotty Wayne Dorsey, yes, yeah, Scotty Phillips. Maybe defensive player then, because it took Wayne Dorsey, I think, a full season before he was really good. Yeah, you know, and, and sometimes that's the. Uh... I mean, that's kind of the bug in the soup with JUCO players. Uh, a lot of times, you don't see them catch up to the speed of this game because the JUCO game is not the same. And, uh, you know, until late in, in, in perhaps their junior season, uh, you know, hopefully Lakia Henry is going to be able to, uh, to buck that trend, so to speak. Uh, you know, it's always a roll of dice with JUCO guys uh, because, you know, the JUCO league that they're playing in, it, it's not, you know, anything close to what you're going to ask them to do once they get to campus here. Um, but, um, yeah, it's been a while probably since you could really just kind of put your finger on an instant impact defensive guy. Uh, Lakia Henry has all the traits to be that, and all you can do is hope is, you know, that's what he will be if, in fact, he does choose Ole Miss next Wednesday. Of the remaining targets ranked from most likely to least likely, what would you say? Woo! Man, that's tough. I, I would say most likely at this point, and you got to understand, look, these guys, we're talking about them because things are still in flux for every one of them. But I would say uh, most likely right now, I think Jonathan Mingo stays in the Ole Miss class and signs with the Rebels on February 6th. State's Behind, a real threat there, though, right? 
uh, State is a threat there, obviously. I mean, he went on an official visit there. He's still kicking around the possibility as we speak right now of taking an official visit to Georgia this weekend, although I really think this is going to be Ole Miss having to fend off Mississippi State. Uh, I think Ole Miss accomplished some good things this weekend with Mingo. He was concerned about how the wide receivers, particularly himself, will plug into Rich Rodriguez's offense moving ahead here at Ole Miss. He told me Sunday he got the answers that he wanted. He wasn't very talkative, but uh, but he did say that, that uh, they sat him down and, and showed him what he would be doing and that he was comfortable with the answers that he got. So uh, Smart to bring put- Jay Stanley, his teammate, in with him too. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Jay came in on his official. Jay is solidly committed. And uh, he Jay told me Sunday as well, he's doing everything he can. He thinks Jonathan's going to stay in this class. Um, and he's got a different perspective than we do or even the Ole Miss coaches do uh, due to his friendship with Jonathan Mingo. But those would be my top two probabilities right there. Uh, well, well, Mingo being number, number one. Um, you know, I think Plumlee. Uh, it right now is on a trajectory where I think you could see him end up at Ole Miss. Number one, I think he likes Mike Bianco's baseball program, and he's going to be a two-sport player in college. Uh, but secondly, I think Rich Rodriguez did a good job of opening Plumlee's eyes to what his potential could be as a quarterback in his offensive system. Now, there, look, there are a lot of variables there, okay? I mean, if you're Plumley, you're going, okay, yeah, I may be tailor-made to play in Rich Rod's offensive system as a quarterback because Plumley's got – he's got moves now. He's got moves. He can, he is a threat with his legs. He's a smart kid who's going to be able to make the reads and the right decisions when he puts the ball in the air. He is, he is a, an adequate passer as well. I mean – you look at Rich Rodriguez and, and the offenses he's had in, his, in the past, and Plumley plugs in very, very well there. Um, again, though, there are a lot of things in flux. He's going to take an official this coming weekend to Florida State. So, you know, you're talking with him. You're talking Georgia, Auburn, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Florida State. He told me Sunday those were his final five. He's going to choose from them. Of course, he's never decommitted from Georgia, even though Kirby Smart uh, – plans to blue shirt him uh, upon his arrival. What is a blue shirt for those people that don't know? Yeah, blue shirt is basically, look, you can, you can go to school uh, and, and participate in football, but uh, you're not going to, you're not going to go on scholarship uh, until a spot opens in, in the, in the coming class. So Plumley would have to kind of wait his time there at Georgia uh, before he got put on scholarship. He would be put on scholarship. It's basically just a delayed scholarship. Um, you know that that won't take place until uh, until after you get to campus. Um, moving on from him, though, we talked about Lakaya Henry. I feel good about him. Uh, you know, those three I, I think are. Uh, are, 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 are pretty good to feel about. Brandon Mack, who is committed to Ole Miss, not yet signed. He decommitted from Pitt right before Christmas. He will sign with Ole Miss on signing day. His recruitment is over. Uh, Amante Spivey. Now, now, there are a couple of different ways to, to take this. Amante comes into Ole Miss on an official visit this weekend. Remember, he is the three-star running back out of Phoenix City, Alabama. Um, he didn't talk. As a matter of fact, he pretty much snuck off from the hotel uh, to av- to avoid uh, the media. Uh, 
uh, that was that was out there on Sunday morning. Uh, prior to his weekend official to Ole Miss, I was getting him on the phone. Uh, I have not been able to get Amante on the phone. I have not been able to get him to respond via Twitter. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily a negative sign. I think that's the sign of a young man who is committed to Arkansas right now who is struggling trying to make a, a decision as to what he's going to do on National Signing Day. And he doesn't want to tell guys like me anything. And, uh, you know, while he's still having conversations, obviously, with Ole Miss and Arkansas. So I don't know exactly what to make out of that, but I wouldn't take his silence as being a negative, uh, not, not just yet anyway. Running back for him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, six footer, 208 pounds, uh, you know, a, a big guy, I think, that could run it between the tackles. Um, you know, obviously, he's probably not going to be seriously in the rotation as a true freshman, whether he comes to Ole Miss or Arkansas. But he's a guy that, that, that you can build on. I think he's got a high ceiling at the next level. I look at this recruiting class. It's easy to harp on cynicism and negativity and this that and the other my big thing though that i just can't move past is john reese pumley for example he's from hattiesburg now hattiesburg is not old miss territory and it goes back to what we were talking about last week about hashtag mississippi made mississippi prospects hattiesburg mississippi wherever the kids are coming from mississippi prospects don't have a loyalty to their state so i thought the whole approach of mississippi made from the get-go was flawed lsu you know you're going to get your louisiana prospects that's probably the best example mississippi is not like that you have to recruit them differently so they don't have this loyalty to their state now they can talk about being mississippi made and and uh, born and, and raised in mississippi i mean but cam makers did it and went to florida state these players don't have a loyalty to their state there are three major universities so if you're matt luke if you're looking at this coaching staff and its recruiting strategy moving forward under tyler siski do you have to adjust that do you have to say or move away from Mississippi made. We haven't seen that yet, but could you see them as a recruiting strategy move away from that? Because if you're Ole Miss, it can't just be building in Mississippi. Obviously, you failed in that respect this year. Do you have to adjust the strategy to where you're not marginalizing Georgia and Tennessee and Louisiana, those prospects in Texas that aren't, quote, Mississippi made, but you're going to have to rely on almost exclusively to build your class and supplement your recruiting class with Mississippi prospects, whichever ones you can land? I don't think you ever, ever discount home. Um, you know, that's that's just something you cannot do. I, I, I mean, let's let's take Jerry on Ely, for instance. If he were a five star running back in the state of Georgia, Ole Miss has never been in that conversation. I mean, he's a home kid. Uh, and that helps you get in that conversation. Uh, as far as pushing that publicly as the hashtag for, for the 2020 class, I don't know that I would do that. But again, I think all recruiting always starts at home. And, uh, you know, you're charged with getting the best players in your state. And obviously they, they came up a little bit short in that in this 2019 cycle. Uh, that was a little a, bit. Uh, well, <laughs> it was a generationally good class in 2019 in Mississippi, and, and, and they didn't finish inside the state where they wanted to. They now, whiffed. There can be a little bit of ointment for that if, say, they were to sign. And even though, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the boat that he's going to play professional baseball. But if they sign Jerry on Ely on Wednesday, that, that's going to add some ointment. If they sign Plumley 
on Wednesday. That's going to make things look better if they go ahead and keep and sign Jonathan Mingo on Wednesday. That's going to make the in-state recruiting look a lot better right there as well. Uh, so, so that complexion could change a little bit next Wednesday. And they've got a fighting shot with all three of those guys. But uh, as far as moving ahead, I mean, I always think recruiting starts at home. But you make a good point in, in saying that the in-state loyalty thing is not there anymore. And, and and I agree with you on that, but it's not exclusive to the state of Mississippi. What we have now, we have kids that have grown up differently than us in that they can turn the television set on from the time they're in kindergarten to the time they're a blue chip recruit and pretty much watch any team in the country every Saturday that they want to watch. So if you're five years old and and that gaudy looking orange and white of Tennessee strikes your fancy and you decide, hey, I want to start watching Tennessee, you may grow up a Tennessee fan even though you're from Shaw, Mississippi or, or somewhere like that. So that kind of breaks down these uh, these borders of these states when it comes to recruiting. And when I was a kid, look, man, it was all Ole Miss, Mississippi State inside the state of Mississippi. There'd be a national game of the week. But I mean, you know, you were lucky if you got to see the Rebels play on TV two or three times throughout the course of a season. Uh, all information was assimilated via newspaper and uh, your newspapers were going to cover your state team. So you kind of naturally grew up in that kind of groove today. With modern technology and, and satellite television and the internet, you can watch whoever in the heck you want to watch from the, like I said, from the time you're knee high to a grasshopper. And that takes away some of that, what used to be built in allegiance to your state and seeing a kid who says first and foremost anymore that I want to stay inside the state of Mississippi and do it for Mississippi. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of lip service given to that, but, uh, there aren't any borders in college football any longer. I mean, look at who all is recruiting the state of Mississippi now. Everybody is in Mississippi now. Everybody, because everybody's figured out, you know, these kids, you know, they're, they're looking for their best opportunity, and it doesn't have to be inside their home state. Yep, and I appreciate it about the prospects that they've become one-man businesses and brands to where they're only looking out for themselves and not looking out for the better interest of Mississippi or this, that, and the other. They shouldn't because this is a – meat factory they bring you in they turn you out that's all they do so look out for yourself first and foremost i will say it does feel somewhat like groundhog day we talked about this before the early signing period ranking the most likely to least likely who you felt good about who you didn't and Ole miss didn't get any of the remaining prospects do you feel like Ole miss is closer to your projected feeling good list or towards striking out again which if you had to handicap it which do you feel most confident about yeah, I, I may live to regret this, but but uh, I'm kind of leaning towards the, the the good side of things. Um, you know, I, I I mean, again, Jerry Ely, Look, if you get him, it's just icing on the cake. Okay, maybe he goes to Clemson, uh, maybe he signs with Clemson. He's probably going to play professional baseball, so you need to kind of keep that in perspective uh, a little bit in regards to what he does. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of feeling pretty good now and, and i've prefaced on lakia henry and i'll say it again because i don't i really really don't want this thrown back up in my face I feel breaking good. news breaking news yeah i feel good about him right now but again chad morris is with him right now okay and they're gonna leave today and listen arkansas is gonna feel good okay old miss is coming in on 
on Wednesday, Ole Miss is going to feel good. And then Tom Her- Herman and Tech, they get their shot this weekend. And then, uh, you know, by Sunday night, Lakai Henry's not talking to anybody. He's not going to be talking to me. He's not going to be talking to, to anybody who might can leak anything out. So that's going to be signing day drama. That is going to be signing day drama and probably uh, maybe one of the biggest ones. And, and, do, we know when though, he si- do we know when he signs? Uh, he hasn't decided yet. We, okay. so we don't we okay. don't know, but it will be on February 6th. So, you know, that's one thing I want to underscore to everybody that follows recruiting on the Ole Miss spirit is that, you know, there aren't a lot of balls in play. But, man, there's going to be some high drama on signing day. Uh, Lakia Henry, Jerry Ely, No, I Jonathan think Ole Miss Mingo, fans are prepared Plumlee, for that. I think they're prepared for that. They yeah. just don't want it. They're, they're guarding against getting kicked in the teeth again, which don't blame them yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. And I get it. Look, look, when we, when we sit here and we tell you guys, you know, we think this is going to happen and we think that's going to happen. I had this really painted to me clearly. Look, I'm a snow junkie. I wanted to see some snow in Oxford today. Okay. <laughs> I've been listening to these freaking weather forecasters now Look, for five days. David. Snowmageddon. And then God bless it. I wake up this morning. The sun's shining out David. in Oxford is 15 degrees warmer. And they said it was going to be, there's no snow on the ground. And I'm disappointed in the dead gum weather, man, the forecaster, is to blame, right? But I will say, you've lived in Mississippi long enough. You should have known when they project snow, always just expect rain. And when they say it's just going to be cold, there might be some sleet, that's when the snow's coming. Yeah, no doubt. It took it took me back. We were talking about this last night. It took me back to the 1994 ice storm. I remember that vividly. I talked about that yesterday with Paris Alford at baseball. I remember that vividly. Listen, I was living over in the Mississippi Delta in Cleveland, going to school at Delta State. Uh and it was a daylight yesterday. It was 55 to 60 degrees, kind of overcast and spitting rain. And the weather forecasters didn't tell us jack about what was about to happen. And, and Ben, I remember that night going into a six o'clock night class in a T-shirt and jeans. OK, at 745, they gave us a break. I walked outside to my car. It was iced over. <laughs> it was 28 degrees. And I go back in and the professor's like turned white and he's like, y'all go home, go home, go home. And then you turn the radio on and you turn the local television stations on and it's, it's like, oh, my God, we missed the forecast. And then check this out. So get up the next morning, electricity's off. I get in my car to go to school and I drive down the street and there are no trees on my street. And I take a right to a tree-lined street, and it looked like World War III. We went three and a half weeks, 24 days to be precise, without electricity. And, and dude, it was problematic because for three or four days there, the grocery stores were closed down, all right? So you couldn't get in to buy any food, and lots of people weren't prepared for this and didn't no. have food. And I, I was telling, I, I was telling my, my kids last night, that's why I think – in this Mississippi mm-hmm. psyche, anytime there's snow mm-hmm. predicted, people run to the store and load up on yep. milk, bread, supplies, and things like that. Because a lot of people in this state in 1994 were caught with their pants down. Yes. And it, it hurt for about three weeks. I said that exact same thing yesterday. I said, you know why people run to get milk and bread from the store? 1994 ice storm. Absolutely. Because I remember we had a we were living in a really small house. I mean, a tiny house. I think there were only three bedrooms, and I shared a room with, with my twin brother. And yet my grandmother and my grandfather, I'm seven years old. My grandmother, my grandfather showed up, my aunt, my uncle, and their two kids and their youngest had chicken pox. So they were taking baths like that. 
that's the first time I learned that you can dry your hair without a hair dryer was through the ice storm. And I remember standing outside um, with my uncle grilling bacon on a grill, but we were all huddled up together like the Waltons in this yeah. small little house. And yeah. that's, how, that's how we do And I'll And I've said that too. I, I made that point that the reason why you see just the threat of slippery roads will shut schools down in Mississippi and you'll see milk and bread leave every shelf in the grocery store. It's because, it's because it's because the store. forecasters yeah. that year hung us all out to dry. Yeah, and that's why <laughs> you can never you. you never can go by the Weather Channel when you're living in Mississippi. Always remember, as a rule of thumb, if there's a threat of snow, snow is 100 percent coming. It's not. It's going to rain. And then, of course, if it's going to be really cold and potentially some rain, that means the sleet and the, and the ice and potentially some snow is coming. But you're right. We blame the forecasters, and that's what happened here with the early signing period, and I know you're trying to guard against it in the late signing period, but you do feel more towards the end of the positive and the in the the optimistic projection than you do of disaster again. You don't think you're going to get or see necessarily a repeat of disaster. I, I don't think so. I, I, I really think there are going to be a couple of really good things happen for Ole Miss on signing day. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm not feeling overly optimistic about Ladarius Cox, the three-star defensive tackle from Mobile, currently committed to Tennessee. Auburn wants him, though. I I think he probably is going to end up at Auburn. I don't feel very good about that. But the guys we've talked about, I feel pretty – I feel better than 50-50 on. Now, again, you know, just like the weatherman, I hope I'm afforded the opportunity to adjust uh, my predictions. But – Nevertheless, I, I mean, I get it. I understand fan outrage when we tell them, hey, it's going to snow, and it doesn't. Go buy your milk and bread or whatever your comfort food is. Buy that in preparation, and if it doesn't happen, that way you won't blame us. Maybe your milk and bread is, I don't know, some crown, maybe. Maybe you have a different spirit of choice, but don't blame the forecaster. David's only telling you what he thinks or could potentially happen as it stands today. On this Tuesday, January 29th, Ole Miss baseball is practicing right now. We've talked about it a little bit, but Mike Clement is going to break down every single angle of the Ole Miss offense, which could potentially be better somehow in 2019. But how can it be better? Mike Clement coming up just in a second on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. At Cheney's Pharmacy, you get the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, chaneyspharmacy.com. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Going now to the Chaney's Pharmacy phone line to speak to Ole Miss hitting coach Mike Clement. Mike, practices are started up. What's the uh, first couple of weeks of practices like? What, what's kind of the focus these first few weeks? Yeah, you just try to uh, – first, thanks for having me on, but just try to get uh, just try to get back into the flow of things, try to get back into a routine, try to uh, make sure these guys did something over uh, over break and that they are uh, – that we're kind of hitting the ground running. As you know, with, with, uh, with baseball, it's uh, start-up practice, and three weeks later, um, it's off to the races. So um, – just really trying to focus in on, on, on who guys are trying to solidify some roles from a coaching standpoint. Um, but just, just get these guys going. It's pretty easy with this group. They're, they're pretty excited to get rolling. Offensively. It was such a good year last year. 
building on that, it would be easy to say, okay, don't change anything that we're doing. You want to stick to this and this. But for you as a hitting coach, you're always looking at little things that you want to correct. Uh, for your team overall, what would that be? I asked you yesterday about points of emphasis, yeah. but for outside of that, what's really the focus for you in improving this team and um, making it take potentially another step if that's even possible? Yeah, no, like you and I talked about yesterday, I think that's something that we um, and me in particular have to guard against just kind of sitting back and saying, well, we got a bunch of really good offensive pieces. Let's just roll them out there and, you know, expect to replicate what we did a year ago. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's something I got to guard against. And one thing that, that I mentioned to you yesterday, and, and, and I don't remember if it was on the record or off, but uh, in particular that I, that I want to, that I want to work on or, or make sure we're good at the, we returned so many pieces from a really good offense a year ago that one of the pieces in particular that we don't return is Nick Fortes. Um, so there's a three hole hitter. And I think more so than being a three hole hitter and more so than hitting whatever he hit three twenty and hitting double digit home runs was this guy struck out 25 times and walked 45 times. So almost walked twice as much as he struck out. And I think that is such a, such a key piece to what our offense was a year ago, because we had some guys around him that had a little more swing and miss to them. You know, when you talk about Dillard and you talk about Zebo and you talk about Keenan and Cockrell, um, he was such an important piece to that, that even on nights where he was over four, he's sucking up, you know, 20, 25 pitches out of a pitcher, which as you know, you know, means a lot. And, and all of a sudden, because he's doing that, you know, Dillard who's hitting after him gets a pitch to hit. Um, those are really important things. So I think, the key for us is a getting those guys that I just mentioned um, that have a, you know, the, the big donkeys that are going to drive the ball, getting them to into a position where they can be um, a little more productive as far as seeing pitches, making pitchers work. They're going to be scary no matter what, because of um, their reputation and, and the success that they've had, but getting a, those guys, um, a little better from an approach standpoint and B getting the other guys. I'm talking about Kessinger and Adams and Olenek and those guys um, that, that maybe aren't going to hit as many home runs, um, get, get them to a point where they're sucking some pitches out of a, out of a pitcher because in our league, man, if you can get a starter out of the game and you get to the mid relief, I think that's probably one of the biggest differences in the college game from the pro side um, is that middle relief. A lot of guys have a guy at the back end that's, really tough and a lot of guys have really good starters but if you can get into a bullpen and have those middle relief guys come I think that's where you can do some damage and that's where we were so good a year ago let's do a little rapid fire here because it'd be easier just to go one by one there are some players sure. returning guys that while they had great years there are areas in which they can improve but I'm gonna let you tell me what they are Greg Kessinger uh just think becoming a more complete hitter I think he can steal some bases although he's not the the the, the speed merchant um, I, I, I think he could do that. I think he could be a little bit more productive as far as, um, driving balls. But, um, like you said, had a, had a great year, um, you know, hitting 300 with eight home runs and stealing eight bases and having a bunch of doubles is, is a really good thing. Um, but I think he can even, he can even drive the ball more. And I know he's not the prototypical leadoff hitter and we don't want him to be, uh, I'm going to coach him to his strengths. And I think his strengths are a guy that can hit the ball up, you know, to and over the wall um, and, and, you know, can almost be a five-hole hitter hitting in the leadoff spot. 
Well, I, I got to ask about Gray rather than keep the rapid fire for a second. He dropped down to like 276, and I don't really care about batting average, but the OBP yep. wasn't really there in, in SEC play. Was that more to do with the injury, do you all think? Or what was you all assessment of maybe what went wrong for him there in, in SEC play? Yep. To where he Not wrong. He didn't really have the year he had been having up to that point. Correct. Um, yeah, I, and, and the last thing I want to do is transfer any blame to an injury. I think that's the easy way out as a coach. But I think we all know from – uh, a badly turned ankle this time last year where we didn't know if he'd start opening weekend. He ended up doing it, doing well, um, to the hamstring nagged him all year. Um, I, I think that plays into that. Um, but, but, but I think it's real too. Great swing can get, um, uh, this is kind of an old term. It can get a little bit long and he can get off plane, um, fairly quickly, not to get too technical. Um, but th- there are a lot of times where, um, you know, he gets really steep with his swing. What I mean by that is, is he's swinging down to the ball. So we do a lot of things uh, over the course of practice to try to get him on plane uh, really early. When he is that, he is really good. Um, and when he gets away from that, um, which I think he did somewhat because of the injury and not being able to, you know, practice as much as what, what, what he wanted to and us having to be careful with him. Um, I hope some of that takes immaturity. Um, some of that will take some of that away, and, and he'll be even more consistent than he was a year ago. All right, back on topic, Thomas Dillard. Yeah, I think Dillard is uh, similar to what you just said. His numbers outside of the league were far better than, than what they were inside of the league. And I think for him, um, it's the ability to drive breaking pitches because he gets so many breaking pitches. The funny thing, like when you look at our analytics, his chase rate, what chase rate for, for us, what I'm talking about is breaking balls that are thrown outside of the zone. You would think for a guy that strikes out a fair amount, your chase rate would be really high. His is really low. Um, and what that means is he, he sees breaking ball well, and he just takes. Um, because I think these guys, when they're young, and if I were a high school coach, I'd be the same way, are taught to, hey, when they throw a breaking ball, just take it because they can't throw it for a strike. Well, at this level, they can, and he gets a bunch of them hitting in the four hole. It's about seeing that early in the count, that kind of get me over breaking ball and coming unglued on it. Like I want him to drive that pitch. And even if he swings and misses, who's ever calling the pitches in the other dugout is going to be like, oh crap, we can't keep throwing on that because he's going to, he's going to hit it and hit it a long way. Tyler Keenan, if there's really anything yeah. for a sophomore that's been so good already. Yeah. Keenan, um, man, it's, he, he, he is a really, complete hitter. Um, I would argue our best hitter, uh, all, all around. Um, I, th- I, th- I think he, he, he is just be a little more aggressive early in the count. He is such, I think he learned at a young age, um, how to be a complete hitter and the power started to come later in his life. And so, you know, you've, you've been at plenty of our practices, scrimmages, games, all of that. His ability to hit the ball all over the field is special. Um, and so with that, he becomes a little bit passive early in counts. He's almost, I almost compare him to Jacob Adams, who takes strike one a lot. And so, um, it's a little bit different being aggressive than what I was talking about with Dillard, but in the same sense, I think Keenan can get to less Oh one counts by just being a little more aggressive early in counts. When you look at Tyler's body of work and it's only been a year and he's going into year two, but when you look at his body of work and you've been here for a while now, there have been a lot of accomplished hitters come through Ole Miss, but it seems but, like Tyler going into his sophomore years is about as advanced as any hitter in quite a while, just overall in terms of 
look, this kid's already far along. We don't really need to do much to him. Just keep him going. Yeah, the thing that screams out about him when you look deeper into his numbers is you talked about Kessinger not being as good inside the league and even and even Thomas not being as good inside the league. And that's normal. You know, the better competition is on the weekends in the SEC. If you look at Keenan, it's reverse. And part of that is a product of him not being an everyday guy early in the year and him and Elko kind of platooning early. And then he won the, you know, kind of ran away with the job at third base and got in there every day. But the numbers that he put up inside of the league um, are astounding for a freshman. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of coaches try to tiptoe the line of, hey, we'll kind of wait and see. I, I don't. Uh, I think he is really complete. Uh, I think he has an unbelievable idea of what he's doing at the plate and has a plan. And in the most um, humble way, thinks he's the best player on the field every time he steps on the field. Don't you have to have that as a hitter, the arrogance that you're not going to be able to get me out? And it's hard to have that, especially when you're not having success. But when a guy does have that, I think that's key in unlocking him a little bit. Is that fair to say? uh, It's a great point. And I'm telling you, I think if you look back two years, which I try to forget about 2017 as a hitting coach um, as much as I can, those guys who had a ton of success last year, one of the downsides of them not having success as freshmen are – they are about as good a kids as you can get. And they are um, pleasers. They want to do what they're told. I'm talking about Kessinger and Dillard and Zebo and Cockrell, all of those guys. And I would throw guys from a generation before them, Woodman, Henry Lartie, Colby Bortles, all into that boat. They're the guys you want to coach. They're the guys that everyone in the community loves. And it took them a while to get comfortable. Keenan, while he is a great kid, I don't want I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. He walked on the field, and I think it was a huge part of our offense being good as young as he was. He walked on to campus with the thought of I'm the best player here, um, and he doesn't say that, but that's the way he goes about his business. And I think it made all of those guys that I just mentioned way better because here's a freshman, an 18 year old kid that is walking around uh, like he is, you know whoever, Mike Trout, you know, whoever, Bryce Harper. And he has that to him. And when one guy has that to him, uh, it makes everybody else better. Anthony Servideo, Jacob Adams competing at second base. There are other positional battles out there. And I know y'all just want good competition and everybody's going to play. But when you look at them and the traditional metrics in the fall were pretty similar, how do you separate them in terms of who's leading what and whatever? What do you look at? Because it's hard, I would assume, to – uh, just simply stare at the bad average, go, oh, they're within 10, 15 points of each other. So is there anything, is it a hard hit percentage or something like that that you go, okay, this guy's making the right kind of contact, or does that even matter because they're both going to play? Um, I guess you could say that. I think they're both going to get opportunities. It definitely matters. Um, and for me, I think it's similar to what you were saying as far as the hard hit percentage, quality at bat percentage, what, whatever metric you want to use. Um, for me, it's what we – started talking about early in the conversation about being able to have productive at bats. And that's where, although Adams, I think was probably our only everyday, everyday guy last year that hit under 300. If you look at on base percentage, let's say Olenek, who was a first team, all sec guy and hit 350. And I'm not trying to take away from Olenek, although it is a little bit, it's something he's working on. Uh, I think Adams had a better on base percentage than Olenek. So I think to the traditional people that are listening to us talk, 
uh, I think that speaks volumes about about the quality of bats that Adams have. So with the first of the bats under his belt, you would think, you know, from a traditional standpoint, the people who look at batting average, I think that will be better um, this year just because of experience. But the quality of the bats for Adams uh, were huge, and I think that kind of won the day for him a year ago. Um, and I and I think, you know, flipping to Servideo, that's what I'm looking for out of Servideo. Now, I think. Uh, as you've seen out of practice, and I know you talked to Ant, uh, I think he's got a chance to play some center field. I think he's going to play some second base. I think we have some options, maybe even having both of those guys in the lineup at the same time. Um, but I think that was the separator a year ago, and that'll be the separator this year too, is can those guys be productive, get on base, to get us back to the top of the order um, to some guys who are going to really do some damage. Located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, Suite D103 in Oxford, Jackson Beer Company provides Oxford with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge in the northern Mississippi market. Open seven days a week. Stop by and see Alan Jackson and the gang Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 8 p.m., Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. until 9 p.m., and on Sundays from noon until 5. At Jackson Beer Company, we help you handcraft your next event, whether it's a wedding, Greek event, office party, fundraiser, or other special special event, we offer discounts when you purchase in bulk. At Jackson Beer Company, it is our vision to provide Oxford and Northern Mississippi with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge. We offer 10 different local and limited release beers on our growler station, so you will be able to enjoy draft beer at your home or at your next event. That's Jackson Beer Company, located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, just off the Ole Miss campus in Oxford. Stop by and see them or give them a call today at 662-638- 3642. Jackson Beer Company is a proud supporter of Ole Miss Athletics. Anthony said that it was really about getting back to himself and confidence and all that. And look, it's it's impossible to quantify that. So when you saw the improvement, not only in the fall, but in the summer when he was so good on the, in the uh, Cal Ripken League, what did he change? Was there a me- mechanical adjustment at all? Did, did he get back to uh, this, a certain load or something? Was there anything in the stance or the approach itself that allowed him to be the old Anthony Servideo that was such a highly recruited prospect? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, 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 the one thing that stood out to me from a mechanical standpoint is um, it's not the exact same as what I was talking about with Gray as far as getting on a plane. But Ant can get super rotational with his swing. So, like, he gets, to make, put it in as much layman's terms as I can, he gets on and off the ball super quick when he's not right. And when he is right, he stays, I guess what old school people would say, stays through the ball with his swing a long time. Um, so not just get on plane, but stay on plane for a long time. Um, mechanically, that's what I saw different. And I think where I would agree with Ant, um, and it's probably the he was trying to be politically correct when you were interviewing him or whatever, and just say, Hey, back to feeling comfortable having fun playing, whatever he said. Um, I think all of that is true. Also is he got his feet underneath him. I think he started to get some confidence. And if there was any good that came from Kessinger being banged up last year, Servidia was the one guy who got limited at bats That wasn't an everyday guy that I felt like continued to make leaps getting better throughout the year. And that's really hard to do when you're not getting consistent at bats. But I mean, you saw it in the SEC championship game. He comes in in the first inning. Not only does he make the good defensive plays, but he the quality of bats and stay on balls. 
Um, and when he's not right, you will see a bunch of ground balls to the second baseman. And he's got power. He can hit to all fields. When he's right, you'll see him spread all over the yard and hit with a little juice. You, you were kind of going right into my next point. It feels like, or at least from my vantage point, I don't pretend to be some expert on hitting at all, but it looks like he does have a little bit more power that he can unlock too as he kind of grows into his body because you're right, he can drive it to all fields, and once he continues to develop and mature into his body, that he can start to really drive, and you can see some power kind of, kind of come out of that bat. No, you're absolutely right. He's got He's got kind of the traditional – um, left-handed swing that looks really, really pretty. Like if you just watch him take DP and just saw like dry swings, you're like, ooh, that's a sweet swing. And it is. Um, and when it's right, he's got the natural lift to his swing. Um, and there's some juice in that. Just he's a, man, he's a quick twitched athlete. I would, you know, I would argue probably the best athlete on our team just overall. Um, and when, when everything is going right, you're right. He's got some juice. He can hit balls a long way. Um, you know, he may be our best base stealer if he were in there every single day. Um, yeah, he can be a dynamic player. I think that's what we're all really excited about. But uh, you know, we're here to win, and so he's got to he's got to be productive inside of all that athleticism and potential. Tim Elko is a guy going into last year that I said, oh, if you want me to pick one impact newcomer, I'm picking Tim Elko. He fits the profile. He looks the part, right? Yeah. And yet, with most freshmen, Thomas Dillard went through it as, as a good example kind of up and down the average wasn't great but again average doesn't matter yet Tim Elko now is starting to show what everyone thought he could be now you got to do it in games but it is when you have a hitter like that and y'all seen it before where the freshman year was tough and then yet you see sophomore signs of potentially coming on I know playing him in right field is a, a solution but do you have to find an, a, a place in the field to put him just because you want to see the bat you want to see it enough to let him get into a rhythm is there something to that as far as matchups and playing him and getting him at at bats yeah no doubt and again that's uh that's a huge challenge for us is guy like him yeah guy like gindle a guy like servidio um all of those guys the challenges i think they're all ready to play i think they're all um got their feet underneath them i think they're all confident uh I think the potential is there for all three of them to kind of break out this year. The hard part, like, you know, we've addressed is we got a ton of guys back. Right. And so um, the hard part is getting them at bats. Exactly like what you're saying is you got to get those guys at bats because I do think all three of them, although probably only one, maybe an outside shot of two would be playing in any particular time at the same time. Um, the hard part is getting them at bats just because we have so many guys back from an offensive standpoint. But I do think all three of those guys on some level are ready to play and play every day. Um, you know, that's a credit to the depth of our team, um, but it doesn't make it any easier as far as making out lineups and getting those guys opportunities. What's the Tim Elko profile, do you think? Yeah, he he is a far better athlete than what probably he looks like. Not that he looks bad. Um, but he is almost a little bit in the Dillard mold where you look at him and don't think he's going to, you know, be a, a great athlete. He really is like, he's a six, seven runner. I think he will, he will take to the outfield fairly easily. He's not going to be a liability out there. Um, and I think he's a guy that I would expect at some point in his career, probably a year from now to be like a four or five hole hitter, um, and be really productive. The, um, the challenge with him is the right-handed slider, you know, like with, you know, a lot of powerful right-handed hitters, you know, he's, he's got some swing and miss to him. 
but a far better athlete. Um, the way he has been able to adjust from pitch to pitch this year is far different than what he was a year ago. Um, you know, you remember a year ago, if he got down Oh one, one, two, um, he's almost swinging his stuff out of hand. He'll still do that a little bit, but his approach is so much better. And I think that's a product of a being older, but B get some at bats in the summer and C having, having some confidence in who he is now. College baseball is a game of small sample sizes. So do you as a hitting coach put much emphasis on K rate, especially if a player is making the right kind of contact? Do you care all that much if their swing percentage is 32%? Right. Um, hmm. On some level, I do. Um, I, I, I look at that. I do. Um, but uh, depending on who the guy is, if the production is there, you know, it's, it's far different if, uh, you know, swing and miss percentage for guys like Sir Video or Adams or Cooper Johnson um, are super high. That is a cause for concern, more so than if, you know, Zabowski or Dillard or uh, Cockrell has, has, a, has, a, has a big swing and miss rate because I feel like we're going to get production out of those guys. I don't want to go so far. You're right. It's small sample sizes. I don't want to go so far to be um, the prof- the professional baseball approach where we don't care about strikeouts because the bottom line is those guys, and I, and I understand the logic, and they want to hit the ball in the air, and so do I. But in college baseball, even though we're playing at the highest level of amateur baseball in the world, guys don't make as many plays when you put the ball in play as they do at the big league level. So if we make a shortstop go to his backhand and field a four-hawk ground ball, we got a chance to be safe. And so I guess my point in all of that is I still want to put the ball in play. Uh, I don't want to just completely dismiss swing and miss, even if you're a guy that's going to hit 15 home runs for us, because I think there's production to be had um, by putting the ball in play. With all of that said, I'm not going to make Thomas Dillard or Chase Cockrell or Zebo or guys that I feel like have a chance, even Elko, chance to hit double-digit home runs. I'm not going to spread them out and have them play pepper um, I still want them to be able to drive the ball, even with two strikes, um, because that's what that's what they're here to do. I still want them to hit doubles and home runs, even on a one-two count. Um, so th- I think there's a fine line in there. Well, let's wrap this up with three more rapid fires. First, Chase Cockrell. Uh, yeah, just the the thing for him to work on is is he's always going to swing and miss a little bit, um, but we'll take the production. It's almost what we've been talking about. Um, his confidence is he is a super uh, quiet country kid, but his confidence is about as high as it's ever been here. Um, and he has earned every bat he's gotten here. Nothing has been given to him. Um, if you remember, he didn't play a whole lot early in the year last year, didn't have a whole lot of success the year before. Um, and he has earned everything he's gotten. Uh, if we can just cut down, if we can just be a little bit more productive, um, I, I, I think he's got a chance to have a special year. Cole Zabowski. Um, if Keenan's not our best hitter, I would say Zabowski is. Zebo does not have electric bat speed, but Zebo is old enough. Um, man, he's he's a smart hitter. He knows how to cheat to a fastball if he has to. Um, he can really hit the ball to all fields. He's got a really good field to hit. Um, I'm really excited about him. Uh, he's a guy that is not very excitable. Um, you usually can't tell if he's just hit a three-run homer or struck out with the bases loaded, which I think in baseball there's some value in that. Sometimes I want to kick him in the rear end, but um, he is super steady. Uh, he's a guy that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. It sounds weird for a three-hole or a five-hole hitter. Um, 
but I think he's going to have a, have a big year for us. Well, last one, and it's the best for last for me because he's so important here. Cooper Johnson. Cooper's had two consecutive really good falls. He had a third good fall in this fall. But how can you take it to the spring? How can he be that guy that he was recruited to be? Yep, you and I talked about this before, you know, off record and on. Um, and I, I don't want to put too, too much pressure on Coop, but I think if, if you said, that's why you saved it for last, if you said, hey, there's one guy, if I can tell you how his year went uh, right now, you can kind of tell us how, how our year went. And I don't mean that he's got to hit 400 or he's got to hit 10 home runs. That's not what I mean at all. But can he be productive? Yeah, just give me just give move? me something. That's right. And and I don't want to put a number to it. I guess I, I would with you, not not publicly, but I don't want to put a hey, he's got to hit this batting average or he's got to have, you know, this walk to strike out or weighted on base. You know, I don't want to put anything to it, but he just has to be able to be productive enough for us to get back. He's gonna hit seven, eight, or nine. Um, he is perfectly capable. The one thing he does a really good job of when he's right is he has really good strike zone discipline. And so he can actually really bump. We don't bump much. Um, that's not our philosophy. He can, but if we need to get a sacrifice bunt down late in the game, he can do all of those things. Um, for Coop, he is it's a well-told story. I mean, my man's from Chicago, and he plays <laughs> life really, really fast. And so when things don't go well, his mentality, which I appreciate on a lot of levels, is to – strap it up and try a little harder. Well, as you know, it, that's really hard to do in baseball. If you're playing middle linebacker, just go hit the guy harder. Yeah. Uh, in baseball, typically that doesn't work as well. And so he's matured that way. Um, so it, he just, he just needs to be able to be a, a steady guy. And I think there is some comfort for him. Some guys need the competition. And as a coach, you would want those guys. Coop, I think there is some comfort for him knowing, Hey, I'm going to get every opportunity to beat the guy. Um, he always has had Nick Fortez over his shoulder, which it's probably not fair to either one of those guys because they're way different players. They just happen to play the same position. Um, and I and I think there should be some comfort in Coop. Hey, this is your time. Go, go do it. And I'm really proud of him because in college athletics now, the easy thing to be would be I'm going to go to junior college. I'm going to transfer. I'm going to do whatever. And he's been here. And – uh, he, he's, he continues to grind it out. He's a super hard worker. Um, and I think everybody around here, uh, would love for him to have success, not just for us, but for him, because he's, man, he's a worker. Well, real briefly, because I didn't mean to keep you 30 minutes, but real briefly, Knox LaPoser is a guy we've heard a lot about already. What is his profile just overall? I know that y'all like the, the defense, but it seems like had he not gotten hurt, Knox LaPoser was ready to to start playing as a freshman. I mean, do you kind of feel like as a hitter he's far enough along if he were to be called upon to be able to hit? Yeah, I think I think uh I think he has a chance to be productive. He had a pretty good ball. Um like you said, he 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 got nicked up um and is still coming back from that. But um I, I, I do. He he was a pleasant surprise. We knew what we were getting defensively and that he was gonna be really solid. Um he was a pleasant surprise from an offensive standpoint this fall. Um, you know, he, there, there are all these things as a hitting coach that you can pick apart and all of this, but, um, he could, in answer to your question, he could, he could absolutely be, um, a good offensive piece and will be, uh, uh, eventually for us, uh, a good offensive piece. And I think it's a pretty good mix 
to have him in there and available when he's healthy um, to have him ready to go. Because as you know, it's really hard to have one guy catch for 65 games. Yeah, because you love Thomas Dillard, but he, he's your left fielder and he's the backup guy. You want him to be the backup guy, the guy that'll catch in the midweek and do a few things and get his taste that way, but you don't want him as the everyday guy. Ole Miss baseball, first pitch, February 15th versus Wright State. He's Ole Miss hitting coach Mike Clement. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. You got it, buddy. Anytime. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. That was Ole Miss hitting coach Mike Clement. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions, where you'll also find the Rebel Yo hotline. And last night, David and Chuck both had Kermit Davis and Carl Lafferty on the Rebel Yo hotline. So you'll check that out there in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Potentially could have it back on Rebel Sports Radio, working on that. Many other options for distribution as well. But for right now, just simply subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes and also in SoundCloud. And if you haven't already, go to the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. The podcast can be found there as well as the best coverage of Ole Miss Athletics News. David, a lot coming up this week. Before we get out of here, what are some other stuff you're working on? Some softball stuff? Some oh, what, what are you looking at right now? Yeah, we'll be taking a look back at the positional previews for Ole Miss as they get ready for spring practice. Look, we're a month away. We're four weeks away from uh, live football again inside Uh, the Manning Center. Look, I'm anxious to see. I hate spring practice. And listen, it's going to be a teaching spring, obviously, with two new coordinators on each side of the football. I think you're going to uh, you're going to see Ole Miss spend a lot of time focusing on the finer points of Rodriguez's offensive system and McIntyre's defensive scheme. Uh, I'm curious to see what kind of availability they're going to allow the media this spring as they're in, in, installing all of this stuff. Uh, um, but at if the Matt same- Luke were smart, he's just sla- like swing the doors wide open. <laughs> He needs all the good coverage he can get. Well, it'd be fun if he if he did it that way. I understand why they wouldn't do it that way, though. Uh, I guess media can be somewhat of a distraction. But you know, I want to see I want to see some of these new guys and how they plug in. Man, I want to see Grant Tisdale. Uh, the true freshman quarterback, uh, you know, he's the guy right now that if anything, knock on wood, were to happen to Matt Corral this fall, he's probably going to be the guy that they're going to put, you know, in the front seat of the buggy to drive that thing uh, as the number two quarterback. So I want to see what he looks like out there. Uh, I want to see Snoop Connor run the football. Uh, I want to see what this uh, offensive line is going to look 
like in the rebuilding process there. And uh, I want to see if Mike McIntyre can reposition some of the uh, the players already in the cupboard to uh, to make them reach a higher uh, potential this spring. I think those are the storylines you're looking at. Who's who's going to step up and 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 try to be. And I, I emphasize the word try. DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, or Demarcus Lodge. Spoiler alert: Nobody. I exactly. honestly don't know who Snoop Connor is. Uh, running back out of Hattiesburg. He got here early. Oh. Um, we'll be in that running back uh, mix this spring. I, wow! Honestly, Look at I'll, me, man. I am so far removed from recruiting. I didn't even know who he was. So that's well, lucky, and, Snoop Connor. And, and then here's the other thing too, man. We we've all seen tremendous strides from Octavius Cooley at the tight end position, and off the field over the last couple of years has done a lot of growing up since he got here to Ole Miss. We started to see flashes of what he can do, but can he handle? Can he handle being the, the Rebels' primary tight end? And I know last year that didn't mean a whole lot to be the primary. Ben, you might could have been the primary tight end in some <laughs> game last year, uh, <laughs> considering how much they were used. But uh, they're going to be used more, and they want to run two tight ends. So how, how are things going to stack up the tight end position? You know, Jason Pellerin uh, right now would be your number two tight end, and number three would be Gabe Angel and then Alex Faniel. And so you, you're going to have guys that you have not had to count on before, uh, not just at the tight end position, but even on the offensive line, uh, that you got to count on. And this is big springs for those those kids. Uh, and, and, and they need to have good springs uh, for, for Ole Miss to enter the fall with uh, – with a little bit of mojo and confidence about their personnel. A lot of Ole Miss baseball content coming from me. And then on Friday, the oral history of the Kermit Davis hire. How did Ole Miss get to Kermit Davis? What was the process like? Who did they talk to? When did they talk to those people? And you're going to hear from all the principal parties involved. So the oral history of the Kermit Davis hire coming up on Friday for me. A lot of baseball as well. And always check out David and Chuck and Yancey's stuff with recruiting as well as Ole Miss football. It's the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com and Affiliate of 247 Sports. Thanks, man. We'll talk later this week. All right. Sounds good. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.